Welcome to the Trailside Podcast. In this series, I speak to cyclists from all over the world that are involved in the Kona Bikes Ambassador Programme. In this episode, I speak to Alistair McCallie about all things Kona and retro, including some of the old colour schemes and some controversial frame names. Great, Alistair. So thanks for giving me some of your time this morning. Um, I suppose we'll start off by just if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how cycling is involved in your life. Oh, blimey. Well, th- thank you for inviting me, first of all. And uh, so, yeah, I'm Alistair and cycling is involved. I mean, cycling is kind of part of my DNA, I guess, even though from that, I mean, not like, you know, I've got a heritage of amazing relatives who are world-class cyclists or anything like that just more of it's just something that was just a a huge part of and always has been a big part of my life I guess so Mm -hmm. um you know right from you know being uh you know as soon as I can kind of walk properly um earliest memories of being on a bike and and you know it's just evolved over time to kind of where we are today and a garage full of bikes (laughs) bikes <laughs> that all happen to be Kona um so yeah yeah big stories in between but yeah it's just yeah it's a big part of who I am I guess awesome yeah I'm, I'm kind of the same just being just cycling for a long time but mm. you know I think my brother cycled when he was younger but we don't come from like a family of racers or a family of mountain mm. bikers or anything it's just kind of something I loved doing um, absolutely so yeah, I have seen though that you you uh, have quite the uh, the collection of old <laughs> retro Konas and a couple of mm. very nice titanium bikes as well, if I'm correct. Uh, so I actually don't have any titanium bikes. Oh, I thought you did. Sorry. No, no, no I don't. And that's um, it, some some people have said is an obvious gap in the co- in the collection. But it, it, it funny it's, it was ne- titanium bikes were never something I aspired after, even though mm-hmm. I really you know, respect them, but they were because, I mean, we're getting detailed already, but because, because they were like elite bikes, in my view, ridden by pro riders, it was never something I could ever even comprehend. I would ever see, let alone ride. So the, yeah. the desire was more on the, the attainable, but that's obviously changed a bit as, you know, age, age goes on. But, but yeah, I have, um, I guess, you know, we're amongst friends, you know. I'm absolutely obsessed with <laughs> with the particular <laughs> era of Kona bikes, particularly 1996 to about 1998. So the 97 range, obviously, but you know, around the edges, that's that's really what I have a a healthy obsession. Unhealthy obsession depends what day of the week it is. <laughs> um, but but I love I love Kona's really all the way from you know inception from '88, uh, pretty much. I guess probably up to around about 2000 is like my favorite era. Um, but obviously I'm a big fan of the, you know, the, the modern bikes, particularly, um, uh, you know, certainly the last couple of years, I think they're, they've been absolutely incredible. So yeah, but Kona in general obsessed with, I guess. Yeah. And what is it about the kind of 96, 97, 98 era bikes that just appeal to you so much more so than any other uh, well, initially they just look amazing. So if we get the aesthetics out of the way, I think they're the peak look that Kona's had. Um, I think in certain, certainly this year and the last sort of couple of years, 
I think they've gone back to to, to more of those colorways and color schemes, but they're mm-hmm. just they're just incredible to look at. Um, and um, you know, uh, there's enough stuff online, and I've got some catalogs here that I always look at. And you just look at them, and you've got every color, and it, and just the way that um, not just the fact they're every color, but the types of colors that are being used, the finishes that are being used, and the combination yeah. of the ju- the jungle graphics, which came in that year, um, which is sort of evolved now. That this is like year nine, year ten of Kona uh, in existence, and it's like they've they've really hit the hit their stride in in just mm-hmm. everything. So so the colors look great. The range is amazing. It's got everything you could want for and more. You've got road bikes, hardtails. Um, full suspension, um, you've got high-end titanium, you've got custom steel, custom aluminium, um, and you know all the way through to cruisers as well. So it, it's an amazing range, which at the time was quite unique. A lot of the other brands didn't really have all of that going on, but, but yeah. Kona does. Um, and there's a lot of innovation going on as well. So particularly that era, if I take the sort of step away out of Kona, you just look at it more broadly – you know, the Atlanta Olympics of 96 was kind of a watershed moment of full mountain biking mm-hmm. um, with it being in there for the first time. And it, it's it's sort of a big line in the sand where the, the hobby and the sport has developed from the late 70s. It's turned into mass production in the mid 80s through to the early 90s. And then suddenly it's the global stage of a sporting event, even though, of course, we've had a number of you know world cups and what have you but boom 96 that's when it really is truly global yeah and then after that it just explodes into all these different fragments you know the north shore free ride mm-hmm. downhill is, is already there but it, it it really starts to splinter off into i guess kind of what we have now you've got these tribes of different types of riders but it's just at that point before it explodes you have everything grouped together and yeah. I just think that's quite special, um, quite a unique moment in history. Um, so that's, I suppose, why I find it fascinating. And then obviously the practical is, is that, you know, I had my first Kona mountain bike was a 95 Cinder Cone. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm naturally kind of drawn to around about that era because that's when I had my first proper Konas mm-hmm. and um, yeah. started really getting into them. So, yeah, that's why. Nostalgia. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But, yeah. but but you know they're all riders, right? So then they're not garage queens. You know they mm. you know they they all get ridden. Um, they're all got patina on them. Obviously, some are a bit more polished than others. But um, you know then they're not they're not there as showcase. You know museum pieces. They get ridden, and and that's because they're great to ride, and they still are. Yeah. Even though they're a bit sketchy, um, <laughs> they're, they're still they're still great to ride, and you know that and that that's that's what makes Kona so great. Yeah, it's definitely around that era. Like, I I wasn't really into cycling around that time because I was just, what, I was probably eight, ten around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, all I knew about biking was just I had a bike and I used to cycle around outside with mm-hmm. my friends and that was about it. Mm-hmm. But even now, looking back, I know the, the color schemes were pretty crazy, all right. And then, yeah. like, sometimes I just kind of go down this rabbit hole on YouTube watching all the old videos from the old races. And, like, there's these colossal events sponsored by, like, huge brands and, like, televised on major TV networks and everything. Mm-hmm. You don't see that nowadays, even though, like, it's nearly 
bigger now than it was then. Mm. But like you don't seem to get the kind of the mass media coverage that when, that re- when yeah. it really exploded, like you were saying. It's interesting you say that because although that footage is there, I never saw any of it and none of my friends did either because it was all on a Sky or Eurosport. Yeah. And if you think of the 90s, none of my mates uh, had at Sky or as it was then satellite TV. No, we didn't have um, satellite, no. Yeah. <laughs> like four so, or five channels so, on the TV and that was it. Absolutely. So it was it was all happening there. The only pr- the only media we had was MBUK or MBI or um, whatever magazine that was there and of course you know that's that's just a picture in a in a, in a magazine so mm-hmm. so yeah i like you i love going through that rabbit hole because i never ever saw them um only only really a few people did and then yeah then you just see how insane it was that you know folks are going down kamikaze runs and cat run and god knows what on hardtail you know um, yeah 630 60 mil travel right in front <laughs> you know you find travel at all if any travel at all, all my favourite going downhill on a Toyga um, disc drive. I mean, that's just like, you know, what on earth were you thinking? But, you know, that that's that, that was the thing, right? So Those are some crazy looking wheels. The, oh, yeah. Those disc yeah, they drive sound, wheels. They sound great, though. They sound great. They're like these sort of oh, yeah. noise. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. But, yeah, <laughs> then probably snap as the, as the elastic <laughs> breaks. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely kind of a golden era of mountain biking before it just mm. decided to fade away and then kind of had a resurgence again but I yep. don't I don't know if I'll ever have that kind of mass media coverage mm. but yeah no I didn't see any of that like I never would have seen any of it on TV even if I was big into cycling and mountain biking at that age and knew mm. all about it Um, no we didn't have the TV channels here and yeah. then like I, I it's hard to think even how anybody knew what was going on especially here in Ireland because like mm. it would have been such a small community but we didn't have any you know I suppose if you go down to the local news agents, the only thing you're going to find are the UK magazines. Yeah. Um, when they were all kind of at their peak as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I honestly, I don't know how anybody in Ireland managed to organise anything, but there there was, <laughs> there was, you know, there was cross-country races and things like that going on, but I suppose mm-hmm. it was all just mm-hmm. word of mouth. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cliques and groups and uh, yeah. Yeah, word of mouth. But, but that, that's how... That's how the sport started, you know, that's how the hobby started. It, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, you know, there was no press around. It was a bunch of um, crazy hippies who were road cyclists <laughs> who, who got bored over the winter and thought, okay, what can we do? It's a bit more fun than, you know, another 80K of riding on tarmac. Well, let's get these old um, old cruisers and see how fast we can go down Mount, Mount Tam. And that was it. So, yeah. you know, and, you know, that, that, that was like that for a good, good number of years before, you know the, the 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 I'd say the press. I mean, they kind of created their own press through through um, you know the magazines they were making. But you know, it took a good couple of years before um, you know it spread. But there are all these little groups that were doing the same thing. So yeah, it's the same way with you guys. That's what happened there, guys. By the sound of it, it was just this yeah. looks cool. Let's do it. And let's find <laughs> let's find other people who think it might be cool to do it. I think I was kind of doing that as well when I was younger. Like I had no idea that there was mountain bike races or anything like mm-hmm. that going on. And I just like, oh, that hill looks like it's going to be fun to cycle down. Or <laughs> I bet you I could cycle down those stairs or, mm-hmm. you know, just crazy things on my bike and just trashing them and breaking them. And like, and I only ever had kind of cheap, very, very entry level kids bikes, you know, so they, they, that I put them through an awful lot of punishment. There wasn't a straight wheel to be found or <laughs> a set of brake pads that weren't already worn down or, you know, mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, the golden days when you're just 
all you wanted to do was go cycling. You didn't care about anything else. Yeah, that that was it. That was that's what that's why I guess it's always been so important to me because it was the same, uh, similar um, in the you know I'd get an ordnance survey map and just go right where where do I where do I want to explore today? You know yeah. these these footpaths and bridleways or whatever. Right, well let, let's figure out where I'm going to go and then I get on my bike and get lost. But when you found that sweet bit of you know, relative speaking, you're a kid and you're like, oh, this is a sweet bit of single track. You know, yeah. look at it today, be like, well, that's rubbish. But that wasn't the point. It was, <laughs> it was, it was the, the, the fear of, no, not the fear, the, the joy of exploring and, and also sort of getting lost and then finding your way home, but doing it under your own steam. That, mm-hmm. that to me was hugely appealing. And yeah, like you, you know, just, just go off and do it. It's, um, yeah. And I love that still, you know, even today try and find somewhere new to go you haven't been to been to before it's all part of the fun yeah there's definitely sometimes if i if i feel like i want to go off on a long cycle on the gravel bike or find something new like i I literally just be there kind of trawling over Mm. google maps trying to link up all these back roads and country lanes and stuff trying trying to avoid the main roads and work my way around in a big loop and without having to go near any main road at all there and say, oh, I'm thinking, I'm looking at these little satellite pictures like, I wonder if that stream is as narrow as it looks. And it was like, Can I, would I be able to jump across that with the bike on my shoulder so I don't need to go near the main road in the dual carriageway or anything like that? And, That's it. But yeah, That's those... It. Does sometimes yeah it's it's even more fun to try and plan out a route than actually go and do the route but then mm-hmm. everything goes wrong when you go for a cycle and uh, you know nothing works out like you thought it was going to but at the end of the day you still had an awesome adventure that's it that's it so like what kind of cycling were are you mainly focused on like i know i've seen a couple of um mm-hmm. instagram posts of mountain bikes even you hey hey but uh like you know what what was it always kind of off-road and, and mountain biking that you've been into? Um, I guess that's where the passion is the most. Um, in terms of mileage, road biking is what I do the most. Um, mm-hmm. Weather-wise, uh, that has a big part to play, I think. Um, but um, but yeah, uh, passion was probably more on the mountain biking. But, you know, when I, I say that, I think as a kid, you know, the Tour de France was a sort of a, a, a regular annual thing. You know, it was a big part of my dad sort of growing up and I think he instilled into, into me at least of, you know, what's sitting down and watching the highlights every day. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly the, you know, the late eighties and then sort of the early nineties, you know, definitely not the best for the sport health wise, but in terms of racing, you know, iconic moments, um, you know, Le, um, uh, Le Mans and um, Fignon will live long in the memory. You know, you see the clip of, um, Phil going crazy about what's happening when I watched it as well live. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? It's incredible. He's going to win. Mm. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, mountain biking was was definitely the more of a means of of adventure. So that's I suppose where I have more of the uh, the, the drive and the and the passion towards. But but I do I think as I've got older, I, I've loved more being on the road bike and, and just the, the joy of putting in mile after mile. There's something I really enjoy, just <laughs> the grind of it, which yeah. I, I don't think appeals to many people, but um, I don't necessarily like too much the, the, the sort of stereotypical roadie culture. I'm quite happy just to, you know, I, I don't dress up like a roadie. I've probably got all my mountain bike gear and I'll just get yeah. on a road bike and I can <laughs> do some miles. But um, so I don't think I'll be, welcomed which is fine with me um yeah but 
you know, the most all the bikes are, are mounted bikes apart from two road bikes. So that, that says everything, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. Like I do, I I really like the mountain biking and kind of getting into the woods and getting away from everything and just having, you know, wrestling my bike around some of the trails. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the other, as you said, like I'm, it's not that I'm into the road cycling culture. Like, and if you are, fair enough. If you want to go as fast mm-hmm. as you can for as far as you can, cool. But I prefer, like as you said, the grind. Like, and sometimes if mm-hmm. you want to go for like a, just a really long cycle, but I'd be there on like my gravel bike with my you know, I'd have a backpack on for the water and I'd have like my mountain bike gear on and I'd just be mm. tipping along on kind of the hard shoulder, not pushing it at 35 kilometers an hour, but just going at a comfortable pace and just, you know, mm. go off and do 70, 80 kilometers or whatever, 50 mm. miles, whatever that is. And, yeah. you know, and just kind of get back a bit, bit happy with myself that, you know, you mm. got to go spend time. But I do like I, I when I'm going off on stuff like that, I will try to I'll try to avoid the main roads as I can, because which is the great kind of plus side of having the gravel bike so it's a bit more robust um and with we, there's no shortage of bad country and bog and roads and farm roads and everything that you can just meander down and they all kind of link up with each other somewhere um but definitely like you could go out and just never see a car and i think that's what when like when you're saying just go off and all you want to do is just kind of grind out some miles that's what that's what I'd be doing, but I'd be, I'd prefer to kind of stay away from the main road. Just yeah, you know, be nice and quiet and be no nothing but me and the noise of the wind, the noise of the tires on the gravel and yeah, sounds like heaven. Yeah, what, <laughs> what what are we talking here for? Let's go off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't do it nearly as much as I'd want to, though, or as I know I should. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but definitely that's kind of the what I really enjoy about cycles, just kind of escaping from everything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I, uh, I've, I would I totally relate. So I was commuting into London um, before we moved uh, down here in the southwest uh, of the UK, um, and sort of pre-COVID as well. So I'd go into the office every day um, from southeast London. Took me about ten miles backwards and forwards. Absolutely insane traffic, as you would imagine. But yeah. there was something actually I really enjoyed about it, and, and not not in a sort of uh suicidal way but just the the repetitiveness of i knew i'd have 20 miles a day five days a week um which obviously then really helps when it gets to weekends and i'm not on the road bike um, you know i'm on the mountain bike so adjusting coming down here 18 months ago um the joy of sort of reconnecting with that what you've just said of just being out on your own with hardly anyone around um but being able to put mile after mile is just great and reminds me of sort of being a kid again where I was fortunate to sort of grow up in the in the countryside as well and having just those hours and hours of of just yeah being out doing nothing but just exploring or or cycling so to kind of reconnect to that um yeah I'm very grateful for um and although initially I missed the commute because I missed the 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 uh the um, the structure and the regularity of getting those miles in in a, in a set way and mm-hmm. it was really good for my mental health you just know um, that every day you're going to have that bit of time on the bike exactly and mm-hmm. it was a good decompress uh, after work and a good decompress sort of just before to kind of brace you for it um, but to replace mm-hmm. it doing it here and um, having longer rides I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't swap that for anything now so I completely relate to the whole yeah just uh, just just being on yourself and enjoying it. it's lovely 
And um, have you ever got into the competitive side of cycling or is it purely just enjoyment and adventures that you're, you prefer to do? Yeah, enjoyment and adventures. Uh, the competitive side. Um, or even on the local scene, like not kind of professional no. competitive side, but even just going to like local cross-country races or anything like that? Or No, no. It was never something I was interested in mm. um, as a kid, mainly because I wasn't good enough and I didn't want to put myself <laughs> through it. And and as a kid, my kid, my, I was never, ever, you know, let's, let's be real. You, you could enter it, and um, but I never wanted to come last and I would come last. I did it once and I came last and it was mm. just like, nope, that's not for me. Um, so, uh, I love watching it all sort of being around the buzz of it. And yeah. certainly, certainly now, um, sort of today, um, I would say very loosely, I enter, uh, mountain mayhem with, um, some, some, uh, sort of, uh, buddies as well. And we do that very, um, casually, but not yeah. casually to the point of, you know, going backwards, you know, we want to be, <laughs> we want to be competitive and that we won't come last and we don't, yeah. um, but, but we certainly don't do it for, you know, for, 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 for wanting to come first. And that's really, mm. the, I think that's about as competitive as I, I will get on a, <laughs> on a mountain bike <laughs> or a road bike for that matter. I've, I mean, I've done some, you know, like charity events and things like that, but again, that's not competitive. I'm I just not, not, not something I'm really interested in. Yeah, I know I do go to like there's a lot of when I first started cycling or when I refound cycling kind of as a mm. as a young adult the um I was big into downhill but mm. like I never I never thought I was going to win I was always somewhere mid pack um mm. and I was kind of happy enough with that like it, for me it was really just getting away for the weekend to go to another part mm. of the country and have an uplift for the weekend and you know just camp out in a field and have a bit mm. of fun and even now um, like I don't, I don't go near downhill bike at all anymore. I kind of, so I, I'm more interested in the bit of the cross country side, mm. um, on technical trails. So it's still kind of challenging, but at the same time, I have no fear of tumbling down the side of a mountain. Um, but I go to the local cross country races when I can, and it's more kind mm. of to support the scene. But mm. like, you know, every year I seem to come away with a medal or a trophy, but that's literally just because like the cycling <laughs> scene is so small here. Like all I have to do, if I just show up to five races, my <laughs> string of third place out of four people <laughs> will, mm. will get me enough points to have like a second place at the end of the league. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I I do have a, a few little trophies and medals and stuff. That's that, cool. That's pretty, pretty much just because I showed up to every race and not because I won any of them <laughs> you shouldn't have said that you've spoiled it now you could have, you could have built this up into yeah I'm, I'm bronze medalist yeah no, no yeah. that's cool though that's really cool that's yeah. cool you do that and yeah. I, like the the worst part of it is like, there's, there's the different categories like so you'd have the elite and you have the expert and then you'd have sport and then you'd have novice and like yeah. i would always be kind of hovering around the sport and next thing you know for the one season like i've oh you've won overall in sports so now we have to move you up into the expert men's and next oh, thing you man. know like the guys who are winning the sport races are lapping me while I'm trying to race the experts and do an extra two laps and mm. I'm like why are you I, like look at my mm. results I just I came third five times so I kind of won overall I, I am not supposed to be racing against <laughs> the experts definitely uh, that's, funny. Yeah, that's about as competitive as I get with it but that's yeah, cool though. It, it's really it's I still enjoy kind of the buzz of the day as you said like you're kind of showing up to the race and mm. seeing everything that's going on and yeah as long as it's not raining from the heavens it's usually doing here in yeah. Ireland you know if you get a nice day yeah. for it but yeah that's yeah, that's, that's about as competitive as I get it's nice so um, I see you've 
So being part of the the Kona Ambassador Program mm. now as well as you were kind of taken on, is is this your mm. first year or have you been part of it in the past? No, I've, I've been lucky enough to uh, been doing it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, first of all, as we say that, you know, obviously massive thank you for Kona Lacey and the team for, you know, putting that all together and eternally grateful for the opportunities that that, that, that gives. So we yeah. should say that definitely. Um yeah, so I think this is about my second, third, third, third year, maybe, and um, yeah, it's been tremendous fun. Obviously, it was really difficult with COVID that we couldn't really do much other than just do virtual things. Yeah. Um, I'm not a YouTuber or anything like that, so videos and things like that are kind of way out of my um, <laughs> way out of my experience. Um, so uh, my sort of contributions are written, I guess, written stories or written um, uh, observations. And um, certainly on, on the social media side, you know, bite-sized pieces of, you know, kind of interesting things that are happening or yeah. things in my collection or relate to what we've been talking about. So so to be able to sort of share that through um, through that program is pretty um, uh, invigorating, I guess, because, you know, there's a, you know, there is a, a big community of what you would call retro bikes or retro biking. Um, and there's lots of uh, amazingly far more insightful or intelligent or um, knowledgeable people than me. Um, so I sometimes feel like a bit of an imposter, but um, but but it's great to kind of share that knowledge, collect, collective knowledge across the, across that network about the history of, of Kona, which I think they, they do an amazing job of anyway. And I think that's one of the one of the unique USPs of Kona is that they don't ignore their mistakes. They don't ignore the things that weren't really well. They don't ignore their past. A lot of the you know big brands which we shall not talk about. Yeah, it's just always about you know even the last year's model is is rubbish. It's always about you know what's coming down, what's new, what's new, what's new. And for me, that's very soulless. Kona has a huge soul because it embraces everything they've ever done and um you know so being able to share that with like-minded people is is super cool and i hope mm-hmm. in some some way useful for folks who are new to kona or 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 just you know curious about what on earth is that weird looking <laughs> contraption and yeah. why was it like that why did it turn out like that why didn't it last or you know how did it evolve and i, I love all that kind of stuff so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's super cool being part of that and sort of putting in my sixpence on that every now and then. Yeah, like I think of as, as I've said to a few other people, the great thing about Kona, especially with the ambassador program, is they're looking for people that are just interesting and have a passion mm. for cycling rather than who can do the biggest jumps and who can shred the fastest down a hill or, mm. you know, who can who can do the biggest and the best and the fastest and, and things like that. Mm. But were they they're a little bit more interested in like people who have an interesting story or who kind of mm. support the community or, mm. you know, have an interesting story to tell. And and I, I think that's like, I kind of came across Kona from working in the bike shop and the shop right. I was working in, we were a Kona dealer and just kind of mm-hmm. through that, I just really liked the way sometimes they were kind of a little bit ahead of the curve on some of the stuff. And then, mm-hmm. you know, even though fate, like even with the fat bike stuff, like, you know, fat bike exploded. Mm-hmm. And then they fizzled off, but Kona still have that kind of core, 
um, fan base of guys and they're still selling the fat bikes and they didn't just dump them off their line like a lot of other kind of bigger brands did and and stuff yeah. like that and like and yeah. even as you said they could, they can kind of they can joke about stuff like some of the the names of their bikes in the past mm. or some of their advertising and the videos and stuff have just been yeah. crazy like like the humu humu um yeah i can't say that <laughs> like <laughs> like i remember coming across like the whole joke was like mm. they needed the second crossbar in the frame to fit the name of the bike along the time yeah. <laughs> um and like even oh, what was the other bike a few years ago i think it was the tanuki it was mm. like this weird like a little drunk japanese badger with huge testicles <laughs> yeah who's <laughs> actually who's actually human they're human and then they, then but they're disguised as this is this creature yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's super funny. And he, yeah. he's drunk and he goes around and gives people gold and like yeah. you know some some weird story like that. I th- you know things yeah. like that. Or yeah. I think what I heard before was um, the Hanzo was some kind of a a drunken monkey or something like that mm. as well. I, I, you know all these kind of weird little little jokes and stuff like that. And I've heard mm. loads of stories because the the owner of the bike shop I used to work at was kind of you know was was friends along with the business partners of the original owners of Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so he had like some of the inside scoop and stories of some of the crazy stuff that used to go on back in the days. Like, and I've heard oh, some yeah. pretty, pretty wild things. And it's just, yeah, you know, it's just a bunch of guys that are really just kind of messers <laughs> and threw yeah. together a, a bike company and then it kind of exploded and went from there, which is kind of what I really, I know there's a lot of other bike companies out there kind of doing the same thing, but they're not just a giant soulless corporation, which, correct. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. The name the names are amazing. I mean there's so many stories about those names. I mean they got them into a lot of trouble as well. I mean there were the the um I don't know if we can talk about it, but the, the you can bleep it out, the the sex bikes, you know, in ninety five and ninety six and they had to change the names because quite rightly it's completely inappropriate <laughs> yeah. um but you know the, the tires you know scratch and sniff yeah. um break and enter um you know there's just so many so many funny moments. My favourite one I heard this year was the unit and why it's called the unit. Oh, I, I don't, don't know, know you, why if, it's called the unit. Yeah. No, I have never. All right. So again, um, hopefully I'll tell this correctly, and if not, they can they can you know, someone can post edit it. But my understanding is it's called the unit as a as a poker specialised because at, back in the day, whenever they were um, at trade fairs or you know all those sort of world events that we now take for granted. Um, Specialized would sort of come up to Kona and go, so how many units have you sold? Because they never talked about a bike was not a bike. It was a unit. Yeah. And so they created the unit so that they could turn around to specialize and say, oh, yeah, we, we, we've sold one unit or at least one unit. At least one unit. <laughs> so so that, that's why they called it that. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Uh, there's, yeah. So, allegedly, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, let's make sure we've got a nice big caveat of, uh, <laughs> before the start of this podcast. These may, this may not be factually true, um, but yeah, that's one of my recent favourites. Yeah. I haven't heard that story before. I like that one. Mm. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. The, I I like how they they'll they'll go and they'll design a bike and name a bike and market a bike purely just to poke fun at something or somebody, and I think I think that's yeah. that's really great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know what else to ask you now. <laughs> I think you've covered pretty much most of it. Yeah, with the retro bikes and how you got into cycling and you know kind of the the love and joy of the way Kona just kind of mm. take the mick out of everything and themselves. Yeah. Um. But yeah, unless there's anything else you feel like you want to add, or well, it's up to you. Um, 
I mean, I could talk about it, anything from that era, I guess. <laughs> it's whatever's, whatever's interesting, I guess. I mean, mm. um, you know, some of the bikes have got a, a quite unusual wind. They, they all have a, a kind of interesting story behind them. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of up to, up to you, I guess. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what's kind of the most bizarre story that you have like so uh, have all, mm. have you had all of your bikes from you or have you kind of got an itch and saw a picture and then decided to go hunting for one and see what you could find and then you know if, have you gotten any bikes that were pulled out of a hedge behind a shed you know <laughs> that you had to rebuild mm. up from scratch again and restore no, that's a good question so um all of the bikes um sadly i've not owned from new uh, i'd love to say that i've still got my syndicone but uh, sadly that broke after many years of service and um so yeah the the, the fleet of, of, of i've collected pretty much since i'd say 2010 okay um and the last bike which was the 97 kapoo um came sort of during covid so at the moment um i don't i have one project at the moment which um talk about in a sec i guess but um yeah they, they've collected over a number of years and it, it was through the the, the power of the internet and thanks to you know event sort of re rekindling so let's take a step back so getting back into Kona I guess sort of happened around about 2007 2008 um at that time I just sort of started to get back into cycling as a means of transport and getting fit again and um of course I dug out my Kona that I'd still still had dusty in the back of the garage and mm-hmm. got that going again and just by just just curiosity, I got a copy of MBUK at that point, and it, they happened to be an issue where they were doing a spotlight on uh, Retrobike, um, which is a site if no one's familiar with. Um, and um, they they had showcased some old bikes from back in the day. And I thought oh, I'll go and have a look on Retrobike, and this is two thousand and eight. And uh, suddenly found this huge world of oh my god, all this classic stuff like classic cars, or indeed like any classic. Or, or retro scene of any kind it's an incredible wealth of information it just sort of restoked the fire of, of of kona and through that and then you know building up relationships and friends along the way you know managed to sort of start to get acquire bikes that i'd basically lusted after back in the day yeah start start with the explosive um and then sort of getting into other bikes that are interested like the mano mano and um and then, uh, then the, the ultimately the hot, the hot was what I'd always wanted to get. You know, that was the custom best steel frame you could you could get. And uh, so, getting one of those was a huge moment, um, and purely by chance. Um, so, sadly, none of them have been found in the back of a hedge because, <laughs> thankfully, people are a bit too smart when it comes to. I think people know what they've got. Um, yeah. Thankfully. Um, but a couple of them, you know, I, I got, you know, uh, some decent deals with, um, the most, I guess, the interesting one was, was the project at the moment, which is the, uh, Tommy Missa replica, uh, from 96, 97. Um, so that was like Kona's first proper downhill bike, except it's not a Kona, it's a Turner, um, it's a Turner frame, which they, um, bought 50 of about 50 of from, from Turner at the time. And Bash as a Kona, Tom, okay. Tom, Tommy was riding this. Others were riding it as well. It was like the the first proper four bar downhill um, bike, and you know mm-hmm. it absolutely ruled for a short period of time. Um, 
And so the, the guy was selling it during COVID. It had been sitting in his loft just as a frame. Um, and he literally lived three miles from me up the road. I couldn't believe you oh, know, wow. one, of fi- one of 50 worldwide was sitting in a loft three yeah. miles up the road. And it wasn't even a bike I was kind of interested in, but it was it was just like, I can't ignore that. That's yeah. got to come with me. <laughs> That's got to come with me. Um, and so I've been learning <clears throat> a lot more about about that since you know the last sort of two or three years. Um, uh, and it's still a project because getting parts for it is unbelievably difficult because especially if you want to go kind of as original as you can absolutely because everyone broke them Um, (laughs) everyone broke them and everyone broke the parts on them um Mm -hmm. because you know they were getting more and more crazy with the riding they were doing so um so yeah i have the frame i have the forks i've got like the cockpit um but wheels and uh wheels are my achilles here at the moment trying to get either first gen uh, D-Maxes or um, XTR hubs on um, D521 Mavic rims, but it has to be a bolt through on the front, you know, first generation bolt through. It can't be modern day. Mm. It's it's so hard to get them at a price, which doesn't mean I have to remortgage the house. Um, yeah, so, like, um, uh, 100 yeah. mil hubs are few and far between these days, unless you're going for something on a road bike. Uh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, you know, I can't go modern on that. That would be sacrilege uh, and probably wouldn't fit anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, so that's like the last project uh, I will have, I think, for some time. You mentioned titanium bikes, and I don't have any, and I think there's only one I would consider, and sadly, Kona's not willing to sell it, funnily enough, which is uh, Roland Green's Rasta uh, Flames um, Hey Hey from 97, which they have over in uh, HQ in Bellingham, which mm. has featured in a couple of uh, photo shoots over the years, and that's just like the most beautiful the be- most beautiful frame I've ever seen. Um, and so unless one of those comes up for sale, which um, isn't going to happen, um, I'm quite happy to just to, you know, buy my time and, you know, if I ever get over there, just distract everyone in the team, <laughs> grab just run and off run. with it, just grab <laughs> it and run off. So, yeah, it's such a beautiful bike that. Um, so I was, re- I was very blessed to then find that the nearest, the nearest thing I could get to it, which was um, a Rasta Flames explosive, um, which was, um, again, is another long story if you're interested in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, I, I don't have any titanium bikes, but I, I I would try to love and get my hands on one someday. Now, I did have, um, I had a steel Sutra LTD for a while that I was using kind of a commuter and a gravel bike, and I loved that one, and then upgraded to the Libre. And as much as I love the Libre and have as a fantastic bike as it is, I really do miss the the steel frame. Um, mm. How it might it was heavier than the Libre, but it was just so comfortable. You could go on the ride for yes. so long, and it's just the most comfortable bike ever. Absolutely. And um, yeah. I would love to try and get my hands someday on a on a titanium bike that I could try and build up. Now a friend of mine actually has a titanium. Uh, humu humu sitting there frame mm. doing nothing and I think it'll be mm. too small for me but like he he mm. doesn't want he knows he's never going to do anything with it and he, but he doesn't want to get rid of it because of what it is and mm. I don't know maybe someday if I have an extra few quid I was like oh, you know give it to me <laughs> I want it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Even though I no, have nothing, I have no fork for it. I have no handlebars for it. I have no wheels for it. I have nothing that I could build up for it. But even if I could just get my hands on the frame and then be like, yeah, that's kind of the next project. I mean, like I have a process over there that I need to rebuild the wheels for. And I have a couple of bits and pieces sitting there that I know I need to get around to doing at some point. But 
or what I would love to try and get my hands on is one of the old corner BMXs, which oh right, yeah, yeah the um the doo doo. Was it the doo-doo they had? I can't remember. There was a couple of the different ones, yeah. But One uh, moment, I can find it. I've got it. I brought my box down. Oh, you have all your... Uh, your With uh, the brochures yeah, the, and trade books. The old stuff, yeah. So that was about 2000. They started doing those. Like you can so, still find the old Kona website archives online. Yes, And there was a right. few years yeah. they had some BMXs there. And like I went to even try and... I just had a niche one day and started scouring the internet to see if there's any like and you'll find some really old ads for them for sale on like pink bike from like 10 11 years ago and stuff but there yeah. doesn't seem to be anything to be found nowadays yeah yeah oh, it's gonna kill me now um we can edit this out right <laughs> <laughs> there's one i've got it it's um it's got because scott beaumont boom boom did so much of the um uh, press shots and he's like in all the the catalogs and i can see it now on the back of the the 2000 there's there's it the brochure in 2000 um that the first part of it is one direction and the second part is another direction so you kind of have to flip it around to read it it's um yeah yeah the, it's the, the, on the, on the, the second the, half of it is backwards so you it's upside yes, down yeah it. yeah yeah and on on the back it's him on on one of them i'm absolutely sure of it um so yeah, it's going to kill me. Anyway, I can maybe find it post. <laughs> post <laughs> you have to stick a picture up on Instagram and oh, tag no. me, and I'll find it. There we go, and oh, a I've giant corner there. sticker as well. There we are. So yeah, there we go. There he is. Awesome. So yeah, uh, that was it. Was so cool. Was it the yeah the mum the cuckoo and the mama? That was the first year that they had them. So uh, there we go. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever be able to get my hands on one, but just one of the days, for whatever reason, I just had a niche. It's like, I wonder, can I find a Kona BMX somewhere for sale? There was a few of them old ads listed online for sale in the UK, but and a couple Mm. of them on Pinkbike, but that was it. There was no joy to be had. Yeah, Yeah, super, super cool. I remember seeing, I think I saw a cuckoo not that long ago. So um, they do come up. They do come up. But... Mm. um, yeah, titanium's cool. I did. I did. I was lucky enough to actually just put my leg over a couple for the first time earlier this year with the um, the, the Kona um, store reopening in Chertsey. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they'd moved just a couple of blocks along from uh, the fire station, but they'd done that during COVID, and so they hadn't actually had a proper store opening, even though they'd been open for a while. Um, it was really nice. They invited me up there, and I brought a couple of the fleet there and um, some other. Um, folks who I'd, I'd, um, I'd, I'd chatted with uh, but never met, they came over, including Shandor with his incredible 92 Titanium Hey Hey, which I think Kona did a couple of um, uh, spotlights on and then was in... Um, That's probably the one I was thinking of. Maybe I thought you owned that one. I think that was even no. featured on a GMBN, did a video GMBN. comparing the old Hey Hey to the new Hey Hey uh, and stuff. Yeah. Yes. So there's a nice little bit of symmetry on that because... So first of all, I managed to put my leg over that bike, which is just unbelievable so if people haven't seen it go and we'll put the link or something in it because it's not just the frame the 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 forks the the handlebar the stem and the seat posts also titanium all kona branded yeah and um it's it's i mean they were so so expensive i mean as i said to said to a couple of folks the forks are probably worth more than the frame they're so rare <laughs> yeah and because the, the the steerer is just a piece of titanium that they drilled a hole in and can you imagine how expensive that 
was so to, it's not even a hollow tube it was like a, a solid was, bar that they drilled a hole down through the middle of it absolutely wow. nuts um and yeah so so to see all of that titanium kit on the the frame i mean that was like like that's that's like rocking horse poo rare so to be able to 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 see it and then just to do a little spin around the block on it um, it was super rigid, much more rigid than I thought it would, would be. Mm-hmm. Because then I, another friend had a 97, 98 uh, King Kahuna, hey, hey. And that was much more flexible, which was interesting because it should be more rigid because of the extra gusseting. But I think it's just because of the the, 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 the tubing changed and yeah. would get too technical. But it was super cool. But that, that bike that was featured in the GMBN, hey, hey, the actual modern one, is the one that I've now got. Oh wow! So, <laughs> so they they they. So you can say your bike was ridden by Daddy from GMBN or, or uh, whoever I think it was. It was it was, it was Neil. Oh, yeah. was it? Okay. so so I make a joke because it had a couple of scratch, scratches on it. So I was like, yeah. But no, obviously, again, thankful for Kona for mm-hmm. you know su- supporting me and supporting us on 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 that journey. But yeah, that that was that was that bike. So I couldn't believe it when they handed it over and said, no, that's that's the that's that's yours. I was like, what? completely shocked that and um yeah so and that was the first this year has been the first time i've ever ridden anything more modern than 1998 and a mountain bike Mm -hmm. so i've had a baptism of fire of getting used to all this modern fangled stuff that i've been reading about yeah yeah that's the same bike i have i've got the the same hey Mm -hmm. hey you have and i think it's the first time i've ridden a full suspension bike since riding downhill you know Mm -hmm in my you know early 20s and I'm mm. 34 now and like it was just definitely a learning curve because the one thing I found myself always doing is looking at my back wheel because I kept thinking I had a puncture right <laughs> so I'm just just not used to the bike being squishy because I was always mm. riding hardtails mm. and I had fat bike and I had Hanzo and I had you know just always hardtails and stuff like and it was a long time since I rode a full so so it was definitely a learning curve but it's 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 yeah. crazy how even though it's kind of aimed a little bit more like a cross-country bike but bit more than a race cross-country bike you know it's kind mm. of a, a very capable like and i can throw it down anything and mm. it's yeah but at the same time it pedals up really easily like it's yeah it's a it's crazy bike like i'm i i, I can't believe i have something like that but it'll be a long time since uh, before i get my hands on anything else new i think but yeah. so so what did you think so was it the the suspension that, that was the the biggest different what, what when you got on it and you rode it what was like what's been the most striking difference from before i had the it was a big hanzo sior Mm. um and i would run that with both 650 wheels the 27 plus or the 29ers depending on kind of what trails was on but the Mm. thing about that one is like you're so i would be riding on the cross-country trails and it's kind of more like a trail aggressive trail hardtail so Mm. like you know you're sitting really far back and it's a really short back end and a really long front end and like you know Mm. you can point down anthem but as soon as you start going to climb anthem you'd nearly be wrestling the front wheel to to stop wheeling if you're going up anthem steep Mm. um and then when i moved on to the full sus like it's the 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 crazy thing for me was that i feel like i was higher up like Mm. so if i'm going around any tight twisty turns i always feel like i was about to tip over like i was up high on something but at the same time Mm. when i was pedaling up the fire road and i'd be thinking like as it's not bouncing up and down but you'd feel that tiny little bit of give in the back wheel and then you realize like i I keep looking at my back tire thinking i'm is my back tire too soft what's all this Mm. extra bounce but then Mm. as soon as you go to point it down and you go cycling over rough stuff and it just 
it, it was it was crazy because I I didn't have the back wheel kicking around and bouncing over the roots and rocks. So it was yeah. kind of a just after so many years of being so used to a hardtail, it was a bit of a learning curve to get used to the bike because I was convinced there was constantly something broke or something wrong yeah. with it because it's not what I was used to. But yeah. uh, I got the hang of it. And yeah, it's, it's once oh, I good. kind of started to get used to going over the rough stuff, I realized, no, that's what it's supposed to feel like. I'm not supposed to be getting bounced around the place. Yeah. I'm not supposed to. My legs aren't supposed to be screaming at me when I get to the bottom of a hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, imagine that times a hundred, because I've gone from twenty-six inch wheels to twenty-nine. I've gone yeah. from mostly hardtail. The only Mano Mano had um, what sixty mil reel travel to now what one hundred and thirty or whatever it is, um, one hundred and twenty dropper posts, mm-hmm. uh, great big bars. But the biggest is the geometry. There's the fact it's it's huge. I mean, the thing is massive. It's so long. Yeah. Um, so as you say, the rolling, the rolling for me has been the the, the biggest difference because I was convinced it was going to be fairly not cumbersome and slow, but I thought you know this just thing's big. It'd be hard uh, to kind po- of throw around and twist around exactly. stuff. Exactly. Two point yeah. four wide tires. You know this is going to be horrible climbing, um, and that that for me has been the biggest surprise. As you as you said as well, the climbing on it is insane, mm. especially if I put it on a lockout. If I've got you know something that's not too too rough, I can. Up that I remember the first couple of times I rode it, I was out of breath at the top, and I was like, "Why am I out of breath?" It's because you've been just going really quick, and you've been like <laughs> yeah. this. This was this is that was actually quite easy to to get up there. Um, but I, I, I've still got a tremendous amount of learning to do on it. The, the thing I struggle with the most is actually the steering because I'm so used to 500 or 565 mil mm. um, bars, narrow bars and a long stem. Yeah, and suddenly I've got this huge bar. So my, I'm still doing this because that's what I ha- I'm used to. But if mm. I do that on a modern, I'm, I'm I'm over in the in the hedge. So, <laughs> um, so I'm really I'm still struggling with that, particularly on um, the more technical climbing. I just I just got to I literally have to tell myself stop stop moving so much because as soon as you do that then you lose your momentum and you know mm. I'm, I'm stopped when i know i can get up that climb um or i know i could but you know i kind of i kind of um you know do it in for myself so still a tremendous amount of learning so i agree with you it's like this bike will be uh, i'm quite happy with for the next 20 years because i've still got to get better on it and, as long um, as i can make the carbon last yep that's, yes, that's, yes yeah it's gonna yeah, it's gonna last me like yeah. and I'm not a an overly aggressive rider, and I'm not bringing it down yeah, anything too either. crazy. So yeah. like the bike is going to last me a long time, yeah. I hope. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, and <clears> it looks great. I mean that color and that sparkle that it's got that you don't yeah. really see in the, the pictures. Catalog. Do not do it justice. Like because I was looking at it, it's like yeah, that's the <clears throat> that's the bike I want. If I can get my hands on mm. like my last kind of real high end bike that I'd be able to get, mm. and like that'd be for years and years before I'd be able to get anything else. So it's like I want to go all out, and I was thinking mm. like. I'm not gone on the colour but I like it you know so but mm. then it was kind of like a dark mustardy yellow in the pictures but then when you actually mm. see it in the fresh and it's really bright oh, and it's got a bit of sparkle in the paint and it, yeah. it's, it really is it's, amazing looking it really is and even the uh, the the um, the, uh, the the um, the, the non-CR version um, the um, which is in that sort of uh, what sort of colour would it sort of a bit aubergine, a light mm. aubergine colour? That's got the same sparkle. Um, the guys the guys at the shop had it and that looked equally amazing. The the poto doesn't quite do it justice, just how yeah. it pops. They look really, really great. So except top and tailing what we've been saying, I think that's why the, you look at the 
you know, 22 colors, I'm sure 23 as well, we're starting to see. Again, they haven't lost that that sort of playfulness with with the colors. It's not yeah. it's not that what you see a lot of those blacks and reds and the same old could be anything type bike. You know, you see a Kona and it it's, it does look different, not just the geometry, but just the what you know, just how it's colored. They they are still got very really unique color palette. I think the, I'm trying to remember the one they were um, they posted this week. Um, I think it was one of the one of the road bikes, and it's almost identical to the '94 Explosive, which is this wonderful deep olive green metallic. Yeah. It, but it's metallic; it's absolutely beautiful. You try and find another mass-produced bike that looks like that. I mean, you won't. Nobody, mm. Nobody's using that color, um, and it, it proper proper good. So, but yeah, maybe we're a bit biased. But no, I think they look great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely do like the colors. Yeah, absolutely, mm. and the color schemes and what what they decide to go with. And there was, I think it was twenty. 17 maybe around around that time when they started to go with some matte colours mm-hmm. and like and while they looked nice I don't think they were kind of as durable because they didn't have that clear coat or the gloss yep. and stuff but then when yep. they started coming back with the shinier and more sparkly colours and kind of bolder brighter stuff I was like yeah that's mm-hmm. they're looking really good again yeah 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 my wife has a Coco um, which is a, an amazing bike as well. She has, I think it's the 2017 one, which is that deep purple metallic with the gold bronze decals. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it, it, Prince could ride it. It's, it's honestly, <laughs> it's just a beautiful, it's a proper Prince purple. Mm. Um, um, and uh, yeah, even, you know, even this year's model looks great as well. And so, yeah, you can pretty much pick any of them. It's going to look good. I think the, I think Jake, the Jake, the snake uh, gravel bike from this year, that that is fantastic. The the, the, the color fades. Oh, the jakes on that. have always been. Oh. This is one thing that they've always kind of. I love mm. the colors of the jakes. Yeah, or the the great yeah. cyclocross bikes. They've always been. Yeah. They've always been a little bit different than the rest of the the range. Or yeah. like you know they've kind of have the the two tone or three tone colors with the kind of you know like the the solid break between the colors sometimes yes. like and it just they've always picked the right colors for them and I yes. think they always just look crazy. Yeah. I wonder how much input he has. Maybe you can tell us, but I'm sure, you know, you know, you kind of own the company. You can have what color you want on your bike that's named after <laughs> you. So, um, yeah, I, I like to think he had some input on it anyway. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're we're coming up on an hour now, so I suppose we better call it. Cool. I'll, I'll let you be on your way. Um, I'm lovely talking with you. Thank yeah, you very you much too. for um, uh, having me on, and um, well, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Also, you you talk with. Um, have you got many lined up or? too many <laughs> nearly oh, yeah right, okay. I've, I've had a great uh, well like just being on the the Cone ambassador program that was the first mm. kind of point to call i just reach out to everybody else that's on the program and loads of them have got back to me um and they've all kind of booked in days like i've got a, i've two yesterday i have another one this tomorrow this afternoon and i've some more wow. next week and like nearly nearly two a day so even if i release one episode a week i think i've got like four and a half five months worth of podcasts oh, amazing. To, to go through yeah so that's brilliant yeah so yeah it's 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 brilliant. I've had a great response from everybody that you know looking to get on, which is another great thing about kind of the Kona and the people they bring on, which is just really supportive of everybody else and anything anybody wants to do. They're kind of like, yeah, sounds awesome. I'll help you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, if you need anything else from me or you want to chat about anything else, I'm always always available. I can talk about bikes all day long. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, have uh, the great enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks so much for giving me your time this morning. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Speak to you soon. Thanks.